are listening to Keep the Main Thing, the Main Thing podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Welcome everyone to the Pines Church online experience. My name is Matt Joy. I am the lead pastor here, and I'm so excited that you carved out 25 minutes and change to study God's word with us. For those of you that are joining maybe for the very first time, first of all, welcome. Second of all, we're in the middle of a series titled Got Vision. Uh, we've been reading out of Habakkuk 2, 1 through 5, where the Bible says that all vision originates from God. And so many people in the world uh, have vision, but it's a vision based off of their experience. It's a vision based off of their intellect. And so it's limited. But we serve a limitless God who has a specific and unique vision for your life. Remember, Psalm 139.16 says that he planned every moment of your life before a single day passed. And so we want to come in alignment with God. And the way that we do that is seeking after him. And last week we talked about prayer. One of the most popular misconceptions on prayer is that it's a monologue, meaning that I just go to God with a laundry list of all the things I need, all the things that are broken and wrong with the world, and then I walk out. As if if God didn't already know those things. But prayer is actually a dialogue. It's a conversation. It's a connection. And that's how we grow in intimacy with God. Meaning that, yes, there is a time in prayer where I speak. But equally, I need to devote the same amount of time to listen. And that's where most believers miss it. Because God wants to share these things with you. In fact, let me say this. No one, and I mean no one, not your mom, not your cheerleader, not your wife or your husband, your best friend, your BFF. No one is more passionate about you fulfilling the purpose placed on the inside of you than God. Why? Because God penned it before you ever drew a breath on this planet. And so... When we connect with God, when we're intimate with God, when we come to God in conversation through prayer, he shares these things with us. And so we need God's vision for our life, not our vision, not the corporation that we work for's vision, not media's vision, not government's vision. We need God's vision for our life. And so we talked about how we, we get that in the secret place of prayer when we tune everything else out when we unplug from the world system and we plug into the divine, the kingdom of God, where we can hear and see these things. But many of you have, have followed up and asked, okay, but how do I walk that out? That's all great. It's almost like this ethereal concept, Matt. I go and I get these things. I receive these things from God. But, but then what? How, how do I walk this vision out? And that's an amazing question. And unfortunately... There's no silver bullet answer that I can give you because it's uniquely tailored to your individual life. See, our lives, we weren't made in a factory, in an assembly line. We're not cookie cutter, here's the next human, here's the next human. The Bible says that he knit, he, he knit us together in our mother's womb, that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. That word fearfully, he wasn't scared, but it actually means reverence. God had reverence and awe when he made you. And so your life is meant 
to shine a unique facet of God's righteousness and glory that quite frankly, no one that's ever walked the earth and no one that ever will will be able to shine the way that you can shine. And so it's a good question, how do we walk this out? But there is no step one, two, and three. However, there, the Bible has a lot to say about this, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. And so to kind of springboard into this topic, I'm going to share a quote from G.K. Chesterton. He's a father in the faith, and uh, man, his readings are hard. <laughs> they, they kind of hit you right, right between the eyes or right in the chest. Um, and this is one of those. And he said, Christianity has not so much been tried and found wanting as it has been found difficult and left untried. Um, if I had a dollar for everybody that said, you know, I tried the gym, but it just, it wasn't for me or it didn't work out. Well, that's not true <laughs> because we know that if you discipline your body, if you commit to exercising, then you are going to see results. There's really nothing to hash out there. There's really nothing to debate or to argue. So when people say, well, I tried that, but it didn't work, what that really means is that it's hard. <laughs> And I didn't necessarily feel like getting up every morning and going to the gym. So I just walked in the opposite direction. But here's the thing. You're still left with all of your problems and all of your issues. And so there are so many people that come to me equally in the church that say, well, I tried to pray. I tried to read the word, but it just didn't work for me. And to which I say, in love, we speak the truth, in love is that don't give up. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Continue pressing in. The same thing that I would share with someone that was going to the gym. It doesn't see results after three days, and they have an expectation that maybe they're going to go in for three days and, and walk out looking like the rock. It just doesn't work like that. The Bible all throughout scripture talks about being steadfast, about being patient, about allowing patience to have it's perfect work. And we work on this microwave timeline uh, that doesn't line up with God's timeline. And when we don't see the results, then we just walk away and we say, well, surely this doesn't work. When in reality, it's the only way to get to the vision that God has placed on the inside of you. Okay. So many of us have full schedules. We have all kinds of things going on, but inside we have empty lives. So we've become busy with all the chatter and everything that's going on in the world, but really we, we live a shallow existence. But this shouldn't be so because we were created for so much more. You were created for so much more. That's why you find yourself in the middle of the night asking yourself, there's gotta be more to life than this. It's because there is. God created that longing in you. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 5, that purpose in a man is as deep waters, but the man of understanding draws it out, meaning that God placed a purpose on the inside of each and every single one of us. But we must be willing to excavate, to draw that out. And it isn't a one-time thing. It said purpose is like deep waters. How often do you need water? Every single day. So it's a daily process of excavating that purpose. It's not just a silver bullet and there I'm moving on with my life. And so we need to commit to this. You know, it's amazing to me 
how we're always looking uh, for easy street. And I've been reading this book called The Comfort Crisis. Now, it's a secular book, so I'm just warning you there. But there's a lot of, uh, there's a a lot of, uh, how do I want to say this? There's a lot of great research in there. There's a lot of great truth in there. And it's written by Michael Easter. And I came across uh, one of his quotes, and, and I just want to share this with you. And it says this. Scientists in the United Kingdom recently found out that our brain has a trance-like or autopilot or sleepwalking mode. Once we've done something over and over, our mind zones out uh, of whatever old thing it's doing. Instead of being present and aware, we're planning what we'll eat for dinner, wondering when the new season of that new show comes out, speculating about our office frenemy salary. We live in a state of constant mental churn and meaningless chatter. Meaning that once we kind of understand how something works, we become rote, which means it's simply routine. So we're actually not present. Our mind is somewhere else, and we're just going the routine of every single day. When this scripture, Proverbs 25, challenges us, hey, you're going to need that purpose every single day, or you're going you're gonna to slip into this place where you're just going through the motions, but you're really not taking any steps towards that vision. There's no excitement and passion to your life. Um, the Bible says in Psalm 42, 7, that deep calls out into deep. You were meant to get out of the kiddie pool of life. There are deep and meaningful things that God wants to show you in relation to your own life, in relation to the world, in relation to the kingdom. There is a longing inside of you, and we must come from that deep place to reach out to those deep places in Christ. You know, we have this notion that spiritual growth um, is this ethereal concept. It's like some people are spiritually mature and others aren't. Some were born anointed and others, well, it's just not in the cards for me, so to speak. Bad analogy, but you understand where I'm going with that. Um, But here's the thing. No one would argue that physical growth is real, right? We're bombarded with by advertisements of different training methods and disciplines in which to possess the power to transform our bodies. In fact, we're at the beginning of the year and many millions of Americans have signed up for gyms, have signed up for Peloton memberships. Why? Because they understand that they have within themselves the power to transform what they look like. So if we decide not to get in shape, it's not because we didn't know it was possible. It's because we're lazy or we're just choosing not to. But most of us are genuinely unaware that we can actually develop ourselves spiritually the same way that we develop ourselves physically. I shouldn't say the same way because going to the gym isn't going to make you more spiritual, but that, the, but, but that we have control over that maturity and that growth. Not only is spiritual growth possible then, 
It's arguably more necessary than all other areas of growth in your life. So it deserves 100% of your attention. If you're someone that takes inventory and says, I want to grow mentally, I want to grow emotionally, I want to grow physically, those are good things to aspire to. And I would encourage you to be going after those and setting goals. But the most important is to grow spiritually. 1 Timothy 4.8 says this, physical training is good. It's good. But training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life that is to come. Yes, physical training is important. We should take care of our bodies. We only get one body on this earth. And just like if I had a Lamborghini, I wouldn't put garbage gas in it, okay? Well, you shouldn't be eating garbage into your body because I can buy a new Lamborghini. Well, I can't actually buy a Lamborghini right now, but in faith, one day I will be able to buy one. But you can buy a new Lamborghini. <clears throat> you can't buy a new body. You only get one of these. So you need to take care of it. There are certain things that you just shouldn't be putting into your body. And there is, there is a benefit to that. But how much more so spiritually? Because the maturity that you gain spiritually Trans, translates into heaven, into the eternal life. Here, we're not just here for 85, 95 years. We are eternal beings. Every single person watching this, listening to this, is going to live for eternity. It's not a matter of maybe or maybe not. All of us will live eternal lives. The question that remains is where? because there's only two places. That's why it's so important to excavate this, to seek after God, to find his will for your life. The fact is that this is seldom discussed in the church and among believers. It proves that this is a spiritual blind spot for the church. You know, um, it's interesting because there was a certain point in time when physical training, working out, wasn't in the social uh, conscience. So if you went back, let's just say to the 1940s, okay, and you asked the average person, you know, what are you doing to grow physically, they wouldn't even have an answer for you. In fact, there was a commercial that aired in 1949 boasting that more doctors smoke camel cigarettes than any other cigarette. Now that commercial is laughable. Why? Because we know we've learned so much more through science and nutrition, what tears our body down and what builds it up, how to take care of our body and what's destroying it. But again, we rarely talk about these things in, a, in the spiritual um, vernacular. The reality is that none of us will mature or grow spiritually by accident. It requires intentionality. Maturity isn't a function of time. So no one can sit here and watch this or be listening to this and say, well, I've been in the church for 15 years, so I'm spiritually mature. It just doesn't work like that. Maturity isn't a function of time. I could go to the gym for 20 years, and if I'm not working out, guess what? I'm not going to look like the rock. So it doesn't matter. You have to exercise these things. And how many of us know somebody that's in their 50s and they probably have the maturity of somebody in their teens and we know somebody that's 19 and has the maturity, more maturity than somebody that's in their 50s. So it's not a function of time. It's a function of if you're willing to grow and to discipline yourself. Eric Liddell once said, you will know as much of God and only as much of God as you're willing to put into practice. 
The Bible warns us in the book of James not to be hearers only, but to be doers of the word. This is putting what we've learned, what we've read into practice. This is exercising that truth through our lives, resulting in maturity and spiritual growth for our lives. Discipline empowers us to make decisions based off of truth rather than our own desires or feelings. We become the captain of our impulses, not the other way around. It's putting into practice what you know is true and right according to God's word. So let's take a closer look at that word discipline. Discipline comes from the Greek word inkritia, I'm probably butchering that, which is derived from the root word krat, which essentially denotes power or lordship. Okay, so having this understanding, we can conclude that discipline means to exercise power over or to train oneself, self-control. Physical disciplines expand our potential of our bodies in the natural, but spiritual disciplines expand our potential and understanding in the spiritual realm, which is eternal. Like I said, this body will eventually break down and be buried in the ground or burned in a, a mortuary. Is that where they burn bodies? A mortuary? I don't know. But it's going to be gone. But my spirit is eternal. It's going to live forever. And so these spiritual disciplines help me grow spiritually. But here's the beautiful thing. Spiritual disciplines will literally improve every other area and every other sphere of your life. Richard Foster said this, God has given us disciplines in the spiritual life as a means of receiving grace. I love that. So it's not the discipline. It's that the discipline gives us access to God to receive his grace so that we can grow. Remember, the Pharisees were really big on works. They were Pharisees were really big on all of their disciplines. Okay, but yet they couldn't recognize the Messiah standing right in front of them. But there were fishermen and tax collectors and prostitutes that recognized that he was the son of God. So it doesn't work like that, but we have access as we carve out this time to study God's word, to pray, to fast, to worship. We have access to God's grace. And it goes on to say that discipline allows us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. So it's God that transforms. And so this is really necessary to point out because people can already kind of, they're putting up their, 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 their walls and saying, man, you, you sound like you're talking about works. I am not talking about works. We don't work for favor. We do not work for favor. We work from favor. It is by grace that we have been saved, not by works, lest any man should boast. But it's God's grace. But spiritual disciplines Carve that out. N.T. Wright once said, working for salvation after grace is like bringing a ladder into an elevator. So we're not working to strive to get salvation. We work from salvation. However, we need these spiritual disciplines to mature in our walk with God. And so discipline, like the roots of a tree can position us to get access to God's grace so that we can grow. And I really want to highlight that word because I'm going to spend the next couple of minutes talking about it. Roots. Okay? The Bible says in Psalm 1-3, I want you to hear this. 
he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. Colossians 2.7 says it like this, let your roots grow into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then, everybody say then, then your faith will grow strong in the truth. Spiritual disciplines are the roots that we send forth into God. Prayer, study, serving, worship, fasting. These are the roots that we send out that connect to God like a tree into the stream of living waters. And as a result, we are transformed. So what do roots do? I'm going to go a little science guy on you, okay? What do roots do? Roots have four major functions. Number one, absorption of water and nutrients. Okay? So when a tree sends out roots, it's looking for food. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. So our roots that we go, we're looking for that grace. We're looking for those streams of living water. We're looking for the words of eternal life. Number two, anchoring of the tree body to the ground supporting it. Our spiritual disciplines, our roots into God keeps us from, from tumbling over in the storms of life. So we're grounded when, when things, when adversity comes, when opposition comes, we don't fall over because our roots are in God. That is our foundation. When you're building a house, the foundation is the most important part of the entire structure. The same is true of a tree. I have seen huge trees, three stories tall, fall over in small windstorms, and I've seen trees half that size remain. And you're like, how could this tree with this big of girth fall in this little tree that had this girth that was half the size stay? It's the roots. When you go over to that large tree, you see the roots were only like three feet long. It couldn't sustain it. But the smaller tree had roots that went deep and grounded it in the storm. Number three, storage of food and nutrients. I've hid your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. So you, the roots go out and they get the nutrients and hold on to it. Our roots go out and get the word of God, receive his grace and hold on to it in our heart so it shapes the way that we see the world. It shapes the way that we see ourselves. And number four, reproduction and vegetative fruit bearing. A good tree bears good fruit. As a result of being a believer and being connected with God through the roots of discipline, we will yield fruit, good fruit, multiplying what God is doing in our lives. We are blessed to be a blessing. And so you can see the true mark of a believer is his life yielding fruit. Is he reproducing? Just like we look at a tree, we're like, yeah, I've had this apple tree. It's been alive 20 years, but there's no fruit on it. What good is that apple tree? Okay, again, we're not working for favor. We're working from favor. God has created us so that we would produce fruit. But without a strong root system, a tree will never reach its full potential. And the same is true of us 
as believers. You will never reach your full potential. You will never be able to walk in the destiny and calling that God has for you if you do not send out these roots, these spiritual disciplines, and take control of your time and your day so that you can grow. We can no longer have a casual approach to what God saw as absolutely, or Jesus saw as absolutely essential in his life. He had these spiritual disciplines set up in his life. You go study the life of Jesus. WWJD, the answer is all throughout the New Testament. I want to close with this scripture. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this in the NLT. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I do not care if you see yourself as a disciplined person or an undisciplined person. I do not care if you have 40 years under your belt of never making your bed or being undisciplined. It simply does not matter to me because it's not a function of our flesh, but rather a promise in God's word. And how do you receive that promise? The same way you receive any promise in God's word, by faith. By faith, you are a self-disciplined believer. And you have to receive that and you have to move forward on that truth. If you set up these spiritual disciplines, if you say, I'm going to commit to reading God's word every day, I'm going to commit to prayer every single day. And guess what? If Tuesday comes and you miss it, you don't quit. You don't throw in the towel. You don't say, well, there goes my perfect score. I might as well shrink back into my miserable existence of a life. No, you get back up. Okay, the only way you can fail is by quitting. That's the only way you can fail in this life. So if you miss that day and you realize it that night, then get in at night. If you realize the next day, get in that day. Keep moving forward. Do not grow weary in well-doing. God wants to help excavate this purpose so that you can walk in the fullness of what he intended for your life. I'm going to pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for everybody under the sound of my voice. I pray that there's an excitement and a passion inside of them to discover what you created them to do. I pray that they wouldn't look at it as laborious, as something that is unattainable, but they would receive that promise in your word, 2 Timothy 1.7, that you have given them a spirit of self-discipline and that you would multiply your grace into their life to live that out. God, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for spending the last 25 minutes in change with us. Until next time, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to Keep the Main Thing the Main Thing, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.